0: I'm glad I spent, boy, I think 10 years. Maybe? No, not that quite that long. Maybe eight years as an inspector. But I'm glad I did it because I got to watch guys come and go, guys stick around, guys develop into coaches. I got to sit in the locker room and really get to know them, watch them in their most stressful time and how they handle themselves. A lot of guys, a lot of guys, very chill, fun, easy going. They're just happy to be there. They're ready to just do what they can do. They feel like they've done all they can do to get ready. And half the guys are going to lose. And then get to see them afterwards and how they act in victory and in defeat. You get to see how they are when they're not fighting and they when they're a teammate. You get to see all these aspects of them and watch them grow up and change.
1: Thanks everybody for swinging back to the Pohata podcast, where we talk about jujitsu with jujitsu people, very often black belts. As usual, check out the podcast socials at the Pohata podcast and at Pohata photography in the bio there. You'll find links to the merch page as well as the Patreon account. This time around, I sit down with Chris Claveter, a BJJ brown belt and long-standing figure in the Minnesota MMA scene, from inspector up to referee. We get into a lot of the operational details behind that part of the fight game in this episode. He's also a pivotal player in my trying jiu-jitsu years ago, as well as part inspiration for this podcast. Before we jump in, I gotta shout out the show sponsor, Way of the Tiger Soap Company. You know you do as much showering as you do laundry, why not enjoy it with some good soap? And a shout out to our second show sponsor, Hamel Jiu Jitsu in Hamill, Minnesota. It's a relatively new grassroots, passion-inspired gym where everyone is welcome. Expect to see Darren and his gym on the show's YouTube channel pretty soon. And expect to see Hamill's weight room facilities in particular in the show's Patreon content. Links for all of that is in the description. And without further ado, my conversation with Chris Claveter. <sighs> <laughs> uh <clears throat> anyways. <clears throat> Let's talk about being a ref.
0: Let's talk about combat sports. That whole world. Yeah. Being a ref. Being 43 and hanging out with 23-year-olds. <laughs> Not really hanging out, but just being in their culture around them a lot.
1: Yeah, it's like the coaches, you
0: know? Oh, yeah. The coaches are actually... The coaches who I'm... Who I'm ...getting along with. That's, your, that's the squad. Yeah. Do you want that? Hold on. I got more.
1: No, you're good. Let me just take a second.
0: The, um... <laughs> They're my age. They're my, like, they're not calm people, but they're, by any means, most of them are not calm people, good energy, but they're also not so, like, focused on themselves.
1: Coaches and and managers and stuff you're talking about? Yeah, yeah,
0: mostly coaches. Um, You know, but they're not just focused, they're focused on a whole network of people. They got that dad energy now, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: It's like being, like, the refs.
0: Yeah, obviously, other people on the commission. You know, we're all we all we all started together. Basically,
1: there's a lot of new people, especially in the inspector level. Um, Explain the structure of all that. So, like, I'm I'm a pretty filthy casual MMA fan. And yeah, despite showing up taking pictures once in a while in local events. But like, so what's what's the what's the hierarchy of the of the suits the, at the local? Yeah, MMA Yeah, so the behind events? the
0: scenes, who is that guy walking with that fighter with the bat? Who's that guy with the badge on and the weird red coat? You know, when you yeah. watch fighters walk out, right. um, that's the inspector.
1: Tell me what Largely inspector an inspector
0: does. Largely inspector. And every state is going to be different. Minnesota is one of the more staffed states. So, guaranteeing fairness in fights. I will say this, straight up. The less of each of these positions you have, the especially in the inspector role, the more you're opening yourself up to unfair, unsportsmanlike conduct, cheating, straight up cheating
1: mismatching or is that no, no. that's gone by the wayside by this point you're already at the event so you're yeah. matched up I got you
0: so these guys um you they're, they're being in the locker room when a fighter gets there they'll usually get their glove assignment they'll get assigned to a locker room at a bigger event like LFA they'll also if they're where depending on where they're at in the card they'll get like even a kit bucket towels waters tape things that fight, fighters need, you know. But fighters' co- coach show up and they get their locker room assignment, maybe get their bucket, and they go to the locker room. And then in the locker room, you're going to have, in Minnesota, you're going to have usually three inspectors to a locker room. And in the locker room, you know, you'll have blue and red, blue corner, red corner locker room. So there's six inspectors back there. And then there's usually two more lead inspector, and maybe another inspector that are kind of running between things, staging people, getting them ready, <clears throat> telling people where they're at in the show. And the inspectors only come out in our cage side when they're with a fighter. So they'll take a fighter, they'll walk them out to the cage, they'll sit behind the corners, and they'll be making sure that in the locker room, I'll back up there, in the locker room they they watch hand wrapping, yeah, and there's certain rules you have to follow, like... How much? What kind of gauze you can use, how thick, like how wide it is, um, what kind of tape you can use to secure the gauze, how the length of gauze you can use. You don't make a huge pad, you know, or like tapes, you don't make a cast. How high up the tape can go on the hand is varying in different states. So always check with the state you're going to with what the rules are, right? And these inspectors are there to watch you wrap hands and make sure all these things are being followed and, and, and there's some there's always an eye out for the old old school days of the guys putting quarters in their gloves or shot you know making their hands heavier um, <clears throat> uh boxing days coaches would take the, the the string that you secure the glove with and they'd run it down the back of the pad a few times Rough push pushing the pad the soft part way back over the wrist and exposing mm. the knuckles um, shady. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And bo- and they in boxing they would take the you know, the, the part you see running down the fingers mm-hmm. in between the fingers to yeah. keep it secure. Well they would take that tape and try to make it big. Yeah. And then it would poke out of the glove right. and make like rough spots to cut the face of their opponent. Um at, early on in MMA, um Mario Roberto has got a scar on his face. Have you ever noticed mm-hmm. on his I lip? Yeah. It's from they took their leather gloves back in the no holds barred NHB days, yeah. And his opponent was burning his glove and then pinching it.
1: Oh, basically putting a blade on yeah. it. Yeah,
0: and then he'd rub it against his mouth, trying to get the fight stopped by a cut. Hmm. Um, so you're keeping an eye out for shit like that. Uh, then they'll call you. You know, the, the lead inspector usually call you, or maybe like a production manager will say, "Hey, let's go two minutes." And then you come out of the locker room with your fighter and their coaches, and their team, and you essentially guide them to where they need to go. Depending on the level of event, there's some kind of walkout, but depending on the level of event, there's going to be different things like uh, how they want you staged.
1: Production manager would be someone representing Ignite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um,
0: So then, oh, man, the UFC had the best guy, and they let him go when they got bought out by WB. Burt, I think his name was, but... He's just run up in the hallway. Let's go, baby. Let's go. Just loud, get everybody pumped up. <laughs> um, I don't know how he got the job. I don't know what, what his qualifications were to yeah. land in that spot, but it was, it was a perfect spot for him.
1: He's a hype man.
0: Yeah. Uh so yeah, your inspectors walk you out, then they then they follow your coaches to the corner. Um, they hand you off to the cut man. Cutman does his thing, puts uh Vaseline on your face, or so if they don't have a cut man, it'll be your coaches do that. And the outside ref will be watching you do that. The inspector goes and follows the corners, sits down behind them, and they make sure they're following the rules of the corner, which, lar- which largely are stay in your seat, don't grab the cage, don't instruct or influence the refs or the judges, and um, no profanity and no talking to the other team. Oh, and no coaching your fighter during a foul. Okay, those are
1: largely the rules. No profanity,
0: like you. That's that's one. It's, it's also in the cage. Like you're supposed to. Th- there's some rules that are not always like right. enforced, and it's like you can be like, "Oh, what the fuck," you know, like fucking kill him. Yeah, yeah. But if you're, it's more so like if you're yelling at the other corner, like you guys are a bunch of fucking it-
1: yeah, yeah, idiots, you know, it.
0: and you pussies, like it's more of a like,
1: inciting hey, a riot issue than it is a cursing. Yeah, issue. Yeah, <laughs> and so it, that's one of
0: those ones that you definitely like. Uh, actually, a lot of MMA rules. For better or worse, have your opinions on what they are, um, but they're largely like up to interpretation. You know, you see a groin shot, point, groin shot, DQ, groin shot, warning. It's all over the place, and I know the differences in my fielding, in my judge decision making. But they're the reason why I think we're always gonna have a gray area is because there's so many factors going into something as simple as a groin shot. When was it? What was the history here? Was it back and forth, groin shot, groin shot, and this is the third groin shot? Is it they were just slinging, good, so having a gunfight, and bam, somebody just caught one in the right. beans. Is it? <laughs> is it looked like the guy went, fuck this dude, and just hit him?
1: Right. Was, was, was it 10 seconds coincidentally after an eye poke? Yeah. Oh, now I took a groin shot. Hmm. Was
0: the fowler getting, say, guillotined, yeah. right? And then all of a sudden, groin shot. Now he's out of the guillotine, right? These are all things to consider. To make them all different factors. But again, the swearing thing. It's just, hey, some things are gonna be enforced and some things aren't gonna be enforced as heavily. And I think largely the opinion is let's try to be as non-influential into the true outcome of this fight between these two people as as we can as we can as we can be. And but we have to keep it fair and to a certain level of safety that's acceptable by society, which is a pretty fucking complicated thing to consider <laughs> during the course of three five-minute rounds and the chaos that's yeah, in there. Right? very,
1: very fast-acting.
0: So the inspectors, they help a ton, man. You know, a guy catches a foul, and you got these coaches, hey, just breathe, hey, when you coming at you, with the, hey, inspector, get on your corners. And the corners, hey, hey, guys, sit down, shut up, no coaching. And that helps a lot, right? And the, after the fight, the guy's all got his bell rung or he's way too hyper from winning. And he's still. They both guys got to go see the doctor and you can hand him the inspector. Hey, inspector, make sure, sure this guy gets to the doctor, right? A uh, mom comes charging up. Oh, that's my <laughs> son in there. You know, inspector, get on this right woman. I've
1: gone elbows with a mom trying to just take pictures of the hand raise. I want you to get the picture, too, but, like, I'm supposed to get this picture. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I'm doing my job. I can't imagine, you know, when real shit is on the line. Dude,
0: there's something about this, like, mama bear thing that I've seen a couple dads do it, and it always gets handled the same way. Just people just jump on the dad and just fucking take care of him, right? Toss him out. Security will toss him out. Other dudes will. I saw dad, his son got fouled in wrestling, and he came fucking barreling down the bleachers and knocked over kids on his way down. And they fucking handled him and tossed him,
1: but it's easy. We can just solve that shit with little low grade violence,
0: right? But you got these moms. You gonna really have like, a guy like me? That's my son. Yeah. I'm a mama bear. You don't talk to my. Fa- I saw a kid, <laughs> drunk kid, not kid. He's old enough to be drinking, and he's talking shit to us to a fighter after he won. And the security guard goes, "Hey, mind your peace, You know, like you, yep. you you have to act a certain way." And he goes, fuck you, I'll do whatever I want. And the guy goes, I'll toss you out. And the mom got his face and goes, You're not touching my son. No, you don't well, get to step in here.
1: <laughs> well, that's that's where he got it. <clears throat> yeah,
0: you're not you're not helping. You're hurting your son. You're hurting the event. You're hurting everyone around. You look ridiculous. You look ridiculous. Inspectors. <laughs> Get this lady get on it. Yeah. Um, which, so that's why the inspectors
1: that, always seem grumpy, because they're just security. They're just handling shit. Oh, and they, and I don't mean literally grumpy, yeah. but they're very stern. They with, do a
0: very cool job when you get to work yeah. some of these shows. And like you get to know the fighters. I'm glad I spent, boy, I think 10 years. Maybe? No, not that quite that long. Maybe eight years as an inspector. But I'm glad I did it, because I got to watch guys come and go, guys stick around, guys develop into coaches. I got to sit in the locker room and really get to know them. Watch them in their most stressful time and how they handle themselves. A lot of guys, a lot of guys, very chill, fun, easy going. They're just happy to be there. They're ready to just do what they can do. They feel like they've done all they can to get ready. And half the guys are going to lose,
1: right? Half this room is going to be pissed at the end of the night.
0: Yeah, and but you know what? And they get to see them afterwards and how they act in victory and in defeat. Um, you get to see how they are when they're not fighting and they're, when they're a teammate. You get to see all these aspects of him I and mean, watch him grow up and change. John Castaneda was like a college kid, just a fun mm-hmm. kid to be around, party kid, you know. Kind of seemed like yeah. had like a party vibe. We to We talked him.
1: about it on on the podcast. Oh, did you? Yep. Yeah.
0: And I watched him like you know talented kid, but I'm going to be honest. Early on, I would not have picked him to be like, oh, that's the guy who's going to yeah. go and be and in the it, UFC
1: in 2023, right? And be climbing the ranks like legitimately. Yeah. No. He, he talked about that because he he was like, I was doing both. I wanted to be the college party animal, and I wanted to fight. Yeah. And then he talks about getting to the point where he realized, okay, it's time to get serious.
0: Yeah. And so, like, you get to know guys like that, and then you get to guys know, like, uh, oh, fighters that you see back in the day. Um, Kevin Asplin. You know, I work his corner, get to know him. Big old heavyweight, just in early days. Just I like fighting, you yeah. know? I like fighting big guys so. uh, And then you could see His son Steve Asplund Now is 2-0 mm-hmm. and As a pro fighter He's yeah. got an LFA win And you're like Holy shit Your kid's in here dude Your kid
1: That was a great story To hear too he, We talked about it On the podcast Oh man I should listen to your podcast Yeah you really should <laughs>
0: <laughs> I don't listen to my podcast I don't listen to friends' podcast I do like yours Because you have a really good voice And like, really? it's just Yeah you and I'm uh, not into my voice uh, You and Kevin Skadashim sk- Skadashim Kevin Sketchheim. Skadashim, Skadashim, Sketchheim. Skadheim. Oh, I was so far off. Yeah, yeah. Um, but he has a great. That was. He does have a good voice. Yeah. That was. I was like, man, I could just listen to you guys just to fall asleep.
1: <laughs> you <laughs> means, guys it, read, means it's boring. You should too, read,
0: no. You should read sure. like old books about ships. <laughs> and she and her bow rocks steady all night long. <laughs> the wind get, would not give.
1: Yeah, that's our next content idea. <laughs>
0: reading about old ships yeah for
1: the purpose of making people fall asleep very good there's the money in that dude
0: um again youtube content yeah right right eight million views on a dark screen that just has wind (laughs) eight hours of wind sounds
1: genius um oh yeah oh yeah so we're going back to the roles so then you got obviously
0: got uh refs (laughs) refs technically we are in charge of the insides of the cage From the ring of the bell, when the bell rings, to the end of the fight. We are in charge of that cage. Whatever, whatever, we could make something up in there. Everybody start doing push-ups. You guys start doing push-ups. It's not a thing, and it's going to be a weird, like, discussion. You're going to get it overturned. It's going to be a no contest. But in the moment, that ref says, you didn't obey my commands. DQs. And it's a DQ until it gets sorted out later. But in that moment, that ref is what he says goes.
1: Now, so you're like a you're like a cop. Yeah, like you can go and appeal this in front of the judge yes. on Monday. Yeah, it's the same sort of setup. Sorry, that's probably not our favorite analogy to it. No, hear, no, but. but it makes sense because because <laughs> yeah. also it goes, structurally, yeah.
0: it also goes in that thing of you got people who have all that authority and only use it when they absolutely want to. Kevin McDonald's classes, um, he has a great line in there where he says, "Don't tell these guys." I'm gonna take a point next time. So a guy gets, a guy gets poked in the eye. He
1: says,
0: "Hey, hey, watch those fingers. I'm gonna take a point next time." And then all of a sudden, they're face mashing against the cage, and they're both having that like push off, frame off the face thing, and a fingernail catches the eye. Fuck! Now I gotta take a point, cause I said I'm gonna. So Kevin McDonald has this great way of not flexing, and he says, "Hey, don't make me take a point." And I, I've started saying this after taking this class, and I say, say even in the pre-fight in the pre uh, meetup with the fighters, like I go meet up meet up with them in their locker room and stuff, and hey, I'll be a referee and everything, I say, hey, I love this sport. I love MMA, because when I was a kid, you didn't know what a pure fight looked like. You know what boxing looked like? You know what wrestling looked like? You know what judo looked like?
1: You always had that question, what if they could also yes. strike?
0: Or- in this moment, what if you could also turn into a wrestler or turn into a boxer? I... I like the I like the that MMA brings us purity and I want to keep it that way. I do not want to get involved in this. But what we have here, what you've entered is a martial arts competition. You're not in a fight. You're in a martial arts competition. It is to simulate a fight as tr- to true to form as we can. But we will impose rules to ensure safety to a certain level and to ensure fairness overall. And once that balance, that scale of fairness has been tipped, I have to step in and I have to make things fair however I can. And I have a toolbox, a very limited toolbox of what I can do. Okay? Don't make me open that toolbox. Please keep things fair on your own, and let's see who the best martial artist is. If you want to disregard the rules and just see who the best fighter is, just see who the best thug in the room is, we can sign up for street beefs. And you can make a couple hundred bucks fighting in your tennis shoes, getting your head fucking knocked around on concrete, going over hay bales. Cool. But you'll find out who the gnarliest, nastiest dude in that day is. But tonight, tonight is a martial arts competition. Keep it fair. Don't make me come into this fight. I don't want to be there.
1: Nobody in the building wants you involved. Right. The fighters don't. The coaches don't. The spectators don't. I just want to see these two guys fight and see who wins.
0: Essentially, the core reason I'm in here, if you guys keep everything fair, I'm in here so you don't do so much damage to a person that you will never forgive yourself or that person takes so much damage. They have a no longer have a career or a shortened career. I'm in there to call the humanity and say, okay, that's enough. That's all the more a person should take. And, and or he tapped I mean, you, you didn't see it but before you do real damage he gave up I'm here to call the end of the fight please just make that my only involvement right that's the best night because then the fight's finished everyone got to see the story get closed out right I didn't get involved other than that so it's not there's no question about who the better fighter was, who the better martial artist was in, in, in that 15 minute 25 minute period right It's it's awesome it's truly great let's keep it that way now I've told them, if we're having a face-to-face during this fight, this isn't because I'm tripping out on this because I love doing this shit. I love stopping the fight and making it about me. No, fuck. You've, this is like, we stopped, hang, we we're, we're at Disney World, and I had to pull you over the side and be like, come on, don't be a douche. We're at Disney World, right? We already said, if you're cool, I'll bu- put you on all the rides. I'll buy you souvenirs. But now you're fucking up, right? Neither one of us wants this. Um, that's essentially the restaurant. Judges, judges are there to say, well, we can't make them fight forever. All right. There should be a a, a limit, a time limit, and then when the time limit comes, we say, well, who was a who was a better technician at this point? Who had the better effect? Who had the effective striking and the effective grappling, and who had more of each? Okay. Um, <clears throat> through the determination of One or both of those, you should be able to determine a winner per round. So now you give the rounds a 10 point for the winner and nine or less for the loser in that round. And in a close round where it seems almost equal in effective striking and effective grappling, you can... You should, as a trained judge, be able to pick out some level of detail. You should know enough grappling, wrestling, you should have education in wrestling, judo, and jiu-jitsu to say, I see what they're applying here, and I see how effective it was. You should also know striking, boxing, Muay Thai, to, and, and understanding reading people to say, all right, I see how his patterns change. I see what he's going into, and that was disrupted. Or... They were fighting a certain way, and they changed their fighting style after receiving those strikes. Or the strikes, obviously, were effective because they knocked the person down. Um, You know, you see a guy catch leg kicks, right? And early on, there's a whole thing about, like, are leg kicks really that painful, or powerful? Well, you see a guy who's fighting traditional, left-hand forward, and now he's fighting right-hand forward. Well, that's because his leg's fucked. Now you have to award that. That is effective striking. Or right? he,
1: he came out looking to... to- box mm-hmm. and started the second round immediately went to wrestling and jujitsu. Hmm, what changed here
0: you see a guy who's 510 in the heavyweight division pick up josh barnett and toss him right it, it may not be the most damaging thing to happen to josh barnett but effectiveness
1: control yeah
0: what you've shown with effective grappling right there is that you you know who josh barnett is you if you didn't know who I'm talking about Daniel Cormier, obviously, but if you didn't know who he was, you'd say this guy is truly a master of grappling, of what he's doing to this man in there. And so you have to award a high score. You have to you can put a lot of weight into that effective grappling category. And so if Josh Barnett is punching Daniel Cormier a couple times, a couple jabs and some leg kicks, well that effective grappling could essentially outweigh could essentially outweigh that effective striking, right? And this is what the judge's job is to do, to break all this down in their head. At the very end, in a couple seconds, go, all right, yeah. that guy got 10 and that yeah. guy got nine. When it's obvious, now now, how do you know the difference between nine and eight? What they do is they look to the three Ds. Damage, domination, and duration. And there are three, and the, when the categories they'll say are, when you have two of them that are maxed out, so the most damage somebody should be able to really take at a, at a high level of damage, not the most, but a high volume of damage to this person, okay? So strikers do get an advantage here, but you can also do it in jiu-jitsu. You can wrench a guy's arm. You know, we saw uh, Tony Ferguson almost get his arm broken. Yep. Right? That's some damage right there.
1: <laughs> Captain damage. Yeah.
0: We saw you know the meows where their feet get turned around and everything and their legs fucked up. They're like, it's yeah. fucked up, but, you know, the fight's not over, but that's damage, right? Yeah. Uh. Duration, pretty obvious. How long was this person doing their taking control of the action, leading the dance, right? So you could have four minutes of this guy just jabbed this guy in the face. Take a Nate Diaz fight, right? He just slap boxed him for five minutes and kind of could not get anything going. That's too maxed out. You can make an argument. You have to consider a 10 8 at this point, okay? If all three are maxed out,
1: then, say, say the three again.
0: Then the third one it would be, okay. domination. Yeah, and the reason I ha- I'm bringing this up last and mm-hmm. giving pause for it is because it's a very confusing category I think yeah. at this moment, because people are tying in duration and domination to make it duration twice. So a guy a guy stays in mount effectively right for four and a half minutes, and drops elbows throughout. And the guy opponent comes up, pretty bloody faced. Stayed bottom out. We have duration and damage, right? But do we have domination? Yes. Everyone's probably saying yes, right? Now, let me paint another picture where you have a guy who takes a guy down at 4 minutes, 30 seconds, and with 4 minutes, 30 seconds left to go, and he goes from mount to knee on belly to side control to arm bar back to top triangle Punching him in the face. This is also domination.
1: And a clearer picture of domination, right. frankly.
0: But we have so often that people will look at the first example and say, well, yeah, that's maximum domination. No, that's maximum duration. That's a lot of damage. And that's some domination. But it's not all. And I think if we've got domination and duration clearly separated in our because we use certain language every ref tries to we go to these classes together so we're all saying the same words
1: because colloquially dominating a fight means literally mounting all 15 minutes but doing nothing yeah Mm -hmm. but he was on top the whole time bro yeah you know so like us in the crowd we're like well he dominated he sort of he could have done more he could have done a whole lot more to truly dominate
0: so we got you must consider a 10-8 of two categories are met right well, easily domination and duration could be met together often. Yeah, you held them. And down- most
1: people, like you say, would would interpret it that way, right? The, the regulars watching.
0: So there is discussion about we should say damage has to be has to be high. You have to have a, a substantial amount of damage and one of the other, but it can't be domination and duration to consider the ten eight. You can't base it on just that's what's considered to be discussed going forward, sure. but it's not the rule now. So yeah. right now, you can get some judges who go, hey, you told me to, to consider 10-8? I went, yeah, 10-8. He just held him down as side control for five minutes. Right. Yeah, but that's domination and duration. No, you have duration twice.
1: Sure. That's what I'm saying. Domination would be domination. Side, side control, north-south side control, neon back belly, take, back to side control. Stand
0: him yeah. up, grab him by the ears. You Just know? dancing. Like, yeah. And so we need to have a clear-cut identifier of what is domination and i think then we'll get a more clear-cut indicator of when to draw a 10-8 and when we can start saying 10-7 because right now 10-7 is a hey what the fuck are you putting down 10-7 for that ju- that
1: that 10-7 is effectively the guy i'm saying is the winner has all three of those categories it should be but it's not right it's not right now oh
0: because not right now if it's all three categories it's 10-8 10-7 is reserved for man that ref probably should have stopped the fight or like, the doctor should have stopped the fight, or the corner should have stopped the fight, but nobody did, and we just watched oh, a terrible incident. Right.
1: And that's ten seven. It was uh, Sean O'Malley and what's his? Yeah, That's yeah, that guy that yeah, came the, in last minute.
0: What the heart on the heart on that kid? Yeah. you know.
1: But also, fuck the ref for stealing it from him with thirty seconds to go. Let, yeah, him, let him finish man. it. Let him finish. You know, he's, he's got the brain damage. You already, already gave him all day. Yeah,
0: <laughs> but you know, like. Refs are people. The ref yeah. might not have known the, how much time was left, right, you know, and right. just like he might have had it in his head, like if I see two more combos, yeah. I'm calling it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the so there's not. So I think if you had a, if you had if you had a more clear definition, a line between duration and domination, then you could also start scooting into saying, hey, let's award some ten sevens. Now that's a game changer, right? Because you go 10-7 in the first round, but then gas out, and it's nine ten nine ten after that you still won but you lost two rounds so there's there's validation and, and reward for just giving it your all in that mm. first round if you can try it's a gamble it's a huge gamble but if you can absolutely shine under my you know thought process mm. under what I would like to see if you yeah. you know um I'd also like to see open scoring I'd like to see them tell the crowd and the fighters what the what the scores are at the end of each round So, right now it's a guess. Oh, you know, you hear the corners and they're, hey, you won that round. Yeah, you won that round.
1: Oh, as the event goes on. Yeah, yeah. So, you yeah. know, going into second round that you lost that round. Mm-hmm. That's an interesting dynamic. That changes everything. Yeah, yeah. Honestly.
0: And that's a big argument right now. Uh, I actually argued um, with, I started a conversation with Dean Thomas that turned into me lecturing him about something because here, okay, I'll just roll right into it. <laughs> Dean Thomas was twice voted. Uh, I think he either won or was runner up for coach of the year twice. He's an ATT coach, a legendary fighter, hilarious guy, super cool cat, right? I'm not shitting on Dean. Dean is, he said this himself, but I just brought it up to him so he would hopefully bring it up to other people. Just let's illustrate this, highlight this. He comes to the ABC National Conference in Vegas this year, and him and a foot other UFC notables got a compressed class judges class. We're going to give you a one day judging class. They told him the language. They told him what they're looking for. They told him how the skies are They told him about 3 days. They told him about everything. And Dean Thomas came out of there and to everybody. He said, "I had I've been doing this for years. I have all these accolades. I had no idea how a fight was scored until yesterday. No idea. I thought I knew. Turns out I had no idea." Hmm. Like a white belt walking in, you know, a guy walks into a jiu-jitsu gym and goes, "Yeah, I know how to fight." Oh, shit, I have no idea how to fight. Yeah. But for some reason, coaches can understand that, but they can't understand that you don't know how to do another job that you've never been trained for. Right. You've never been trained to be a judge.
1: Yeah. I would I would just interrupt and equate it to, to powerlifting because that's where most of my coaching and a lot of my competitive experience is. Like, go to any of the lifters even like reasonably experienced lifters and start talking rules. Like they know the basic ones. I got to squat down far enough. You know, I don't move till the judge says move, but there's all kinds of rules about outfits, you know, I mean, all kinds of details that they probably just never bumped into. So they don't even know it's a rule. So there, there again, like if you went and became a ref for the powerlifting meets, you suddenly have a dramatically different perspective. You have no idea what you don't know until you, find out yeah
0: yeah and exactly and then you know i'm sure i I would assume then in powerlifting that if you want to be a coach you go get to know some of the officials you go you go take a class or two and and or download whatever rule
1: rule sets you know or something yeah
0: and it just doesn't happen in mma you get these guys who are and so i told dean in front of everybody he gives a speech you know oh yeah thanks for saying that i go oh you're on fucking espn every week Let's not, let's, not, let, let's not let this die right here, fellas. Dean, I'm sorry, but you're on uh, ESPN every week. Go tell them. Tell the world. Get Reddit. Get Twitter <laughs> off our backs. You are a respected person. You go, you know what I just found out this weekend, guys? How fights are scored. The,
1: the rules.
0: How What, what we're supposed huh. to be doing to, to get our fighters to win. I've been coaching guys and not knowing how to score. And I said, Dean, think about this. Think about Bill Belichick loses the Super Bowl. We're in Buffalo, right? And I said, Dean, think about Bill Belichick loses the Super Bowl. And he goes out post-game conference. He goes, you know what, guys? I don't get what those refs were looking at. We took the 50 yard line for the majority of the time. We held the center of the field. We were aggressive on defense. We had more sacks on the quarterback. They had more penalties. I mean, what more do you want us to do to win?
1: Yeah, they they were kicking the ball to get points. I didn't even know that was legal.
0: And they'll go, Bill Belichick (laughs) has been fired because he did not know that touchdowns (laughs) (laughs) scored points. I said, but for some reason you MMA. Uh, coaches can have no idea what we're doing and then find out and then go, Well, just tell us. Get out of here. Tell everybody. Sure. Tell those wannabe Dean Thomases who want to be you someday to go yeah. get an education like you did. Don't make the mistakes you made. Right. And then uh, I went to the bathroom. I was all worked up, you know, <laughs> and uh, I get out of my soapbox and I go to the bathroom and <clears throat> I feel this big hand just right on my shoulder.
1: At the urinal, bro? No, okay. walking.
0: I was just Ooh, about to walk in. It's a vulnerable a, spot. It's still a scary time. Yeah. As sure. you're walking, it's like, oh, I'm going to get pushed into the bathroom. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's a big hand. And then another big hand on Ooh. my other shoulder. And I'm looking at the first one, and then I look at the other one, and one's a white hand and one's a black hand.
1: <laughs> that don't match. The Uh-oh. thumbs are on the wrong side, too.
0: <laughs> if this is a prison thing, I'm really in trouble, because yeah. they're, they're they're ganging up.
1: That's unity, then. Um,
0: but it was, uh, it was Herb Dean and Jeff Mullen uh-huh. and they followed me out of the room and they go, thanks for saying that. Mm. And Herb goes, I don't like talking in public like that, but I wanted to say that same thing. So thank you. Yeah. And I was like, oh, okay guys, I got to go to the bathroom yeah. now. Thanks
1: <laughs> I peed a little, but I got more to do. I don't know what to say
0: here or do with my hands. <laughs> yeah. um, that's what I actually said. Uh, well, Herb, you know how you can tell me, you know how you can pay me back? I said my daughter is a huge fan of yours, and she just went two and two at Fargo. Would you can you give her a little like, hey, way to go! And he grabbed my phone. He's like, hey, Natalie, just heard from your dad. Blah blah blah. She has all the memorized. He's like, uh-huh. it's. He said something like, it's a big world, but it's a small scene. So I'll see you soon. And then uh, it's a great line. Yeah, it is right. I love that. Yeah, and then I told Jeff Moll, like, maybe I'll work for you one someday, which I won't. But. <laughs> <laughs>
1: You're still in a vulnerable spot, so you gotta say what you gotta say to get out of that
0: so then uh, judges, we all know their job, and we all know how terrible they are at their job. Also, we know that we're seeing camera angles that are constantly changing. You have a guy sitting below the cage, essentially or right at eye level with the floor of the cage watching this thing from one fixed angle.
1: It's the n f l problem right you you as the viewer of the n f l see shit that the refs literally could not. <coughs> Because there's all these cameras all over the place. That's why they got the reviews. So. That's,
0: and that's why uh, judges will sometimes see stuff or not see stuff that the fans saw. The other thing is hearing stuff. What you hear sitting cage side, what I hear inside the cage, oh, my God. But I'll tell you a story. My first first fight I ever ref. Okay. It was an amateur fight. I think this, uh, it's a uh, – I'm trying to remember his name. He's still a jujitsu guy. Pat Patty, native fella. Um Pat Skildum? Yeah, I think that's what the fuck name. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, that's the name. Pat Skildum. First fight I ref. He gets mounted. And he just catches. Boom! One one shotgun shell. Boom! Second shotgun shell. Boom! Third shell. I'm watching his face ripple like T1000. <laughs> <laughs> like, Jesus Christ. A person should not be going through this. I stopped the fight and the whole crowd, they didn't even start booing. They just all got, everybody got quiet. And like, what the fuck was that? Yeah. The both fighters, were like, the fuck? And I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> but you got to make your decision. You got to stick with it. Yeah. So I, I just carry him off to the center, I raise their hands, everyone fucking boos me. Mm-hmm. Killed to walking around the cage, just mean mugging me. And I can't go, sorry, man, that was my first time roughing, and I fucked up. <laughs> now I'm gonna say I'm like, I'm like, I stopped that fight fucking
1: way too early, right? Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, shit. It it it's it's like your first experience in jujitsu. And a dude your size or bigger has you high mounted with your elbows up by your ears. You fucking panic. It's a situation, a scenario that's like your ingrained fear system starts freaking out same kind of deal you're like what like you described what the fuck humans shouldn't go through that we're done here that is a good analogy that i should start using
0: because i've been using one about my other first times one of my other first time experiences where i finished way too early and just kind of panicked and everybody hated me and lose my virginity in the camp yeah
1: it's not your first i mean it was all the times
0: uh, (laughs) i've gotten used to the booze (laughs) in both aspects (laughs) Uh, uh, um no so he i did feel bad and i Right. So I, I, this was a younger me too so i did go up to him and i said hey man i can tell you're pretty pissed off i said uh you want to show up to the end of these open mats i go to you want to roll it out <laughs> we'll do it
1: <laughs> it's, it's its own version of a classy move just don't hit um, me
0: yeah i don't after post 40 i don't do that anymore Oh, for sure yeah <laughs> uh yeah. yeah so i don't know that was an interesting learning experience um i i don't actually you know what i will say though that People say it's a thankless job. It definitely is anything but. The fighters grow to like you because they trust you. I've had fighters retire, and they said, you know, one thing, when I when I when when you started reffing, and I saw that and you came out and you'd say you're my ref, my mind would go into a place that says, okay, I can take some chances. I can go out there and be free. I'm safe. This guy is going to, he's got me out of bad spots. Right. He's got my opponents out of bad spots. Right. He's gonna let me fight, but he's gonna get me out of spots. And they said at, at the end of their career, they're like, thank, "I just want to thank you for always letting me able to be be comfortable in there." Like, it's like having
1: a good insurance policy. I've, ref, had, I've had know.
0: spouses thank me for keeping their their, yeah. their spouse. You know, like, hey, he didn't he didn't go to the hospital. He came home that night. I just had uh, at LFA Doc Stringer told me I called a fight and I pushed because this is why you got to train Jiu Jitsu. I pushed in the right spot to relieve the Americana, right? Like I I. It's kind of hard with two big heavyweights, so yep. you just kind of like push the whole like right. qu- quadrant down, you know, and then stop, 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 and I'm kind of pushing on him, and the fighter on top was okay, okay, geez, okay,
1: which yeah. I think like, <laughs> hey,
0: kind of sensitive for a <laughs> fucking heavyweight cage fighter, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And And uh, but Stringer comes in, he goes in and saying, like maybe three, four fights later, he goes, hey, you kept that guy from getting his arm broken for sure. He goes, I think was getting to snap, and you 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 clamp down on it and right. save that guy's arm. And it's just like, but, and the,
1: but like you said though, that pressure's got to go the right way. Yeah, you got to land your hands in the right spot too.
0: Yeah, you know, you ca- you catch that you catch that person going to sleep at that exact moment because you've been there and you've put people there yeah. and you watch your friends go there and you laugh at them yeah. <laughs> in the gym, yeah. you know. And then seeing people pass out in jujitsu, then you don't freak out. You're not that ref like grabbing their legs and doing all this stuff. You know, you're just down there, fan their chest, make yeah. sure they're breathing, put your hand on their chest, make sure they're breathing. Just... You know, and then afterwards, there's a lot of people who thank you. Gilbert Melendez, on uh, one of two LFAs ago, we're outside, uh, just outside the doors, the venue after the fights. He goes, Hey, man, you got to go back and watch that. I gave you mad props. I go, He goes, I thought I had fun coming to these events, but nobody's having more fun tonight than that ref in the cage. I'm in there
1: dancing, you know. Mm hmm. <laughs> Um, I do like the, the the times I've seen you ref at events that is one of the things I like that it's it's not full professionalism you know you got to be yeah. professional but like also be cool take you're a in take a, a cage breath cage fight yeah. yeah this is
0: a giant circus yeah,
1: you're in your underwear dude it's, <laughs> it's what are you doing? Everybody <laughs> sees those tattoos you regret, so let's just let's have a good time.
0: Yeah, I just felt a man up before he got in a cage to make sure he didn't have wasn't too oily, you know. Yeah. Like, <laughs> uh, it's a little silly, but no, and it's also like I can't hide it. That is the most fun. That is some of the most fun I have in my life. I get frustrated. Um, I have my fuck this, I'm done. The UFC was supposed to come to town. There's Target Center started sending out emails, and uh, I was just like, "There's my chance." There's my chance. And then they went to Austin, Texas, and it just broke my fucking heart. And I've worked for the UFC a couple times on the inspector side. Yeah. The first time, first time for sure, was the most fun. Because it was just, hey, there's Dana White. Hey, Dana.
1: Yeah, the novelty of it all. You're a fan, so it's cool to see this shit. No,
0: no, no. It was so accessible.
1: Oh, I got you. Yeah.
0: Hey, Dana. Hey. How's it going? You guys were in the event? Yeah. Okay, cool. Who, oh, shit. That's Ronda Rousey with him. What's Ronda Rousey doing over here? He said women would never be in MMA. <laughs> Hold on. I'm going I'm to roll up to Ronda Rousey real quick. Hey, you're Ronda Rousey, right? Yeah. Dana White comes over me. Hey, Hey. You know? All right. You two are talking? Hey, I got to run for a second. Sit here and watch her. Okay? Make sure nobody bothers her. Make sure she don't go nowhere. And I go sit down i'm like yeah so you're ronda rousey i know who you are and she's like oh you do and i'm like yeah and he's she's like oh cool that's cool and i go so you're hanging out with dana white i must mean maybe the is reconsidering some stuff they said and she goes i don't know <laughs> and then we're like just chilling and i'm like i'm just fucking chilling with ronda rousey yeah and i was telling her about like i got this little girl at home mm-hmm. she's she's really little but she's always with me at the gym and now she sees you on tv we've been watching your strike force thing And, uh, you know, like, it's cool, and, like, we appreciate, you know, that you're showing her that it's possible. She's like, oh, thanks, thanks. That's really, like, means a lot. You know, it's cool talk. And it was just like that John Dodson showing up in uh, Ninja Turtle pajamas. Honest to God, Ninja Turtle pajamas, because he's the size of a kid. So, like, he wears kids' pajamas.
1: What? What? I mean, he'll
0: kick. I watched him jump kick, like a round, jumping roundhouse. Mm Mm-hmm. Over bit Taller than me And I'm not that tall But he's way shorter He's, he's like, also not that tall He's no. like 5'4 And he he put his foot His kick was probably Six feet in the air
1: Oof.
0: I'm like Jesus Uh He comes in and cra- Crawling all over Travis Brown Like a jungle gym It was just so fun You know Right You saw the guys All over town Maurice Green wins his fight He's outside smoking a cigarette And talking to my dad <laughs> Smoking a cigarette By the <laughs> way
1: <laughs> Um it's gen- genuidics, folks. That's that's throwback. Back when, when men were men in sports, you'd yeah. go smoke and chew some tobacco and go hit home runs.
0: Yeah. Jeremy Stevens gets arrested on a warrant. <laughs> he got arrested that day. They picked him up for a warrant from an old bar fight that day. Huh. That was crazy. <laughs> yeah, he was on the card, and then like minutes before his fight, they were like, the Jeremy Stevens fight has been canceled. He got arrested. Yeah, and the UFC was trying to bail him out. They were uh, offering all this money. I think they eventually did get him out. Maybe if I wasn't canceled, I don't remember that that so clearly. But anyway, so the next time they come around, you never saw Dana. There was a wing of the arena that you couldn't go into. There was like the officials go here and nowhere else. Yeah. Um. There was a lot of I'm too important to talk to you people. And it was just wasn't the f- same fun
1: feeling. What what UFC was the first one you were at? Rough number. Oh, do you got it on the wall over there?
0: UFC on FX five. <laughs> I think it was seven. It doesn't say on that poster, but that was the one. And then the next one was UFC Fight Night uh, Nagano dos Santos. So Brown Bigfoot was the first one, and then Nagano dos Santos is the second one.
1: <laughs> the names. Brown Bigfoot. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> it's two guys. Oh yeah. yeah. Was like, who's he fighting? If... I was like, "What the fuck?" Who's his opponent? <laughs> White Bigfoot. Yeah. White skinny guy. Um, but that I mean, you can kind of expect that, though. Like, once organizations grow and get big, and people are famous, and band, there's, there's more band. money and all that shit. Yeah, yeah, like saw
0: the Black Keys at the First Ave. Twenty. Oh, you did? Twenty bucks a ticket. You know, I saw the, there.
1: I saw him at the basketball place for much more money than that. And then, yeah, that's the basketball Target place. Center. Thank you. Yeah. That's where
0: I saw them next time for much much more money. Yeah, and right. Couldn't really see him and get to him. Were and, we at the same concert? We one were. Time?
1: We were. Do you remember that to be a fact? We both went to it, but no. Nope, I think we're just finding this out now. Oh yeah, that's weird. I didn't know you go to concerts. Honestly, I didn't, bro, or I don't. Oh, typically. we went to yeah.
0: uh, Jim Jeffries. Yeah. Together. Did I tell you about bumping into him? Uh uh-uh. uh I was in Vegas this summer waiting to. Uh, the World Series of Poker, I think it was the first event I was in. Did you just feign your feet at me? I'm,
1: I'm trying to tell you to quit kicking
0: oh, my I'm table, sorry. babe. Um, the, uh, <laughs> yeah, so it's 9 a.m., I'm getting coffee, and it's like, and I look behind me, and I'm like, this guy looks like a hungover Jim Jeffries. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and then I turned forward, and I went, wait a second. I fucking nailed it.
0: <laughs> so I turn around, and... Uh, I look at him, I go, and he looks down at me and goes, kind of gives me a head nod. I go, hey, uh, Jim Jeffries, right? And he goes, yeah. <laughs> and I go, <laughs> cool. <laughs> and then I just, I went, I'm a pretty big fan. And then I turned back around and I got my coffee. And I went and sat on the wall waiting for my, waiting for my uh, coffee. to get ready, right? He does his order and he comes and hangs, he puts himself right on the wall next to me. And uh, I go, man, it's a little too early to geek out, but this is pretty cool. And he goes, he goes, yeah, so you've seen me live? And he goes, you coming to see me live this weekend? And I go, oh, I didn't even know you were playing. I'm here for the World Series. And uh, I have Jay okerson tickets for Sunday. <laughs> Fucking sweet. <laughs> but not your, I didn't know you were performing. Yeah, and he goes, yeah. oh, yeah. And he goes, I go, I've seen you like four times, though. And one of those was with you. Yeah. And I said, I have seen you like four times. And he goes, I go, but I, yeah, I wish I would have known you were play- performing, so I would have got tickets for sure. And he goes, oh, if you've seen me four times definitely go see jay orkerson (laughs) yeah (laughs) you've seen it man you got it uh we just laughed about that and then he was like "Yo, you're playing the series what event we we ended up we were playing the same event and i was like oh it'd be cool if we make it a final table together you know Hmm. and just kind of had a little little morning coffee talk with jim jeffries it's fucking awesome it was and then i left there and i didn't get a picture because at that point you can't
1: be like oh hey can i get a picture yeah yeah. also that's just dorky anyhow it's it is it's a grown-ass man you're a grown-ass man just you know yeah, this give summer. Him a nod and-
0: this summer, also my third time meeting, running into Chuck Liddell, and this time he asked me if,
1: if I wanted to get a picture. <laughs> <laughs> he
0: walked. <laughs> I'm, I'm sitting at a slot machine. Like
1: for your benefit, or because he's now a fan of you? No, no, for my. Benefit.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but I think we are got ter- twenty
1: bucks. I'll give you a picture, bro.
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm sitting at a slot machine, looking for a place to eat. I'm at Google, and. I look up and there's, I'm like, that's fucking Chuck Liddell. Like, it's still Chuck Liddell. Yeah. Like, he didn't grow his hair out. He didn't get a beard. Right. <laughs> you know, the guys retired from the military and stuff, they look different
1: afterwards. Yeah. Like David Letterman. Yeah. Had to shave clean for like 40 years, so now he has a five-foot five foot beard he used to. Yeah. So uh, He just looks like Chuck Liddell. Yeah. Thing.
0: And I go, Chuck Liddell. And he looks down and he goes, hey. And I go, hey. this is what I say to all fighters that I'm fans of. I just say, hey, thanks for the memories. Because that's what it boils down to to me. yeah. yeah. I had a number of Saturday nights with some good friends. My dad and I have like years of Saturday night memories together. All because these guys are out there just putting on a great fucking show, right?
1: Also, please stop doing geezer fights. Yeah. For the sake of your brain. Dude. Yeah. For, thanks
0: for the memories, not the future memories. The like, brain,
1: future memory loss.
0: But you know, it's like, and I, I didn't explain, I go, hey, thanks for the memories. He's like, what's up? And I go, oh, you know, I'll just be like, the whole gave deal, you. Yeah, yeah. And he goes, uh, he goes, oh, yeah, cool, cool. And then he, I was like, hey, take it easy, you know? And then I, I was like, man can't believe i just did that again i just like played it cool with another dude that i was like super excited to see right and uh then i turned around to look at him just kind of like damn they went chuckled out and i when i turned around he's looking right at me <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> just staring and
0: my my face was like the fuck because <laughs> he goes hey do you want a picture and i go yeah. yeah sure why not and then he goes oh take out your phone i was like oh yeah you want um, yeah, you would yeah. if I wanted to picture up yeah, my yeah, phone, yeah, yeah. yeah. You're not a fan of mine. I got it. <laughs> so we just a picture together, and uh, yeah. Oh, I had another small talk in August with Nick Diaz, and then, so I, we re- Nick Diaz was at the conference, and I go, hey, check out this picture from 2007. And that was at, when we were at the uh, Arnold Strongman, Strongman mm-hmm. and filming for, um,
1: I was doing all that film work for Garrick Daft. Oh, did you actually help him with some of that? Yeah, I, I did, did a lot. That. I did a
0: whole weekend of filming.
1: Like so, I loved Fat Guys it. on Couches, right? It was Zadrunus and Yeah, yeah. That, there's kind of a rough angle or whatever.
0: Um, but I did I did the backstage <clears throat> filming at the Arnold, I had the event filming, like I was taking yeah. a lot of shots. And I ran into so many in one this is one moment in my life. I walk they were doing strike force that weekend, I'm like, Oh cool, let's go check out the weigh ins. We have backstage passes. And I walk back there with Jason Ringer. And there's Nick and Nate Diaz. And I go I'm just staring at him. And Nate Diaz, I'm taking out my phone to take a picture of him. <laughs> and Nate Diaz slaps Nick and points at me. And I put my phone right back in my pocket. I'm like, oh And they go, uh and Nick Diaz goes, Hey, what's up, man? I go, Oh, I'm just a fan, dude, like super huge fan of both of you guys, like awesome. And he goes, Yeah, yeah, you want a picture? I go, Yeah, for sure. And he hits Nate and goes, Take out, take our picture. So I got this picture. I showed him I said, You see this picture? And I told him that whole story, I go, Your brothers, Tate is the one take who took this picture. And, he go, and I go, now he's fighting for a who knows how much money next weekend. Right. And he's looking at it. He goes, oh, damn. <laughs> Look at us. We babies. We babies. <laughs> he just keeps saying it. Hey. And uh, that was Saturday. Oh, and so on that strike Force weigh-ins, uh, I walk right from there, and we're freaking out, and we walk right backstage, and I go, oh, my God, it's Maria Shriver. So I... Arnold Schwarzenegger's wife yeah, yeah, and I'm just yeah. like hey Maria Shriver that's so cool thanks for your family for putting this event on whatever cool Google. and she goes yeah yeah say say you say those things to my husband too he's right behind you and I turn around there's Arnold Schwarzenegger <laughs> <laughs> what's happening <laughs> <laughs> um yeah that same weekend I ran into Triple H real briefly though but uh had dinner with Mark Henry Derek Poundstone and Zajuna Savickas Nobody Magnus- that
1: will listen to this will appreciate what you just said. Magnus those, Magnuson. Those four names now, bro.
0: Be, uh, be, what was his name? Benny, Car- Benny Carlson? No. Benny, uh, no. Magnuson. Benny Magnuson. Benny Magnuson. Yeah. 1,000
1: pound deadlift.
0: Yeah, tell us about, oh, you know, basketball, i only man in school who can jump and touch circle. <laughs> You could, you could dunk. <laughs> yeah. Well, not dunk. I could touch circle. You <laughs> call it a rim. So. Yeah. Um. Yeah, that was a hell of a weekend.
1: But anyway, so I-, I just, that's super fucking impressive because he's like 370 pounds. Yeah. That's a human being for sure. Oh,
0: the, anyway. ma- imagine if he could just strip all that weight off in one day and see how high just he could jump. Watch
1: the launch happen, yo.
0: Uh. So. <laughs> so yeah, I was. So that was that whole weekend. I get that picture with Na- Nick Diaz. I sh- fast forward 15 years. I'm showing him the picture, uh-huh. and uh, that's a Saturday. I see Mike Tyson. I saw Mike Tyson the night before that. I yelled at him, Mike Tyson, when he was only about, like, you and me away, and that made him give me a really dirty look, and then I got scared, <laughs> and then I almost pooped myself. <laughs> it was that same feeling of, like, when you're messing with a – like an animal at the zoo, a predator at the zoo, and yeah. then they just lock in on they you and posture you're like, oh shit, can they jump over this wall? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, like, is he, can he, he'll just punch me in the face? <laughs> fuck. If I just yell too loudly. You
1: start seeing <sighs> the headlines you've seen about him over the years, oh fuck, what did they?
0: Yep. Ugh. He's uh, he in the ha- hangover line, he's still got it as I'm yep, laid out on the right. floor. <laughs> so, uh, anyway, and then, so we go, the next weekend, we're in Dallas for the Jake Paul and Nate Diaz fights. And Natalie goes up to these little, she's great with little kids, but she sees these uh, shirts for the event on, these kids while we're getting lunch. And she goes, oh, who, who are you boys down with? War Diaz, War Paul. And they're like, "War Diaz, you know what's up, team represent. They're yelling out brand name stuff, you know. She's like, yeah. She's getting them all hyped up. And the dad's like, oh, what you guys are here for? And like, yeah, we're here for the fights. They're like, how are you guys getting to the fights? It's like right there, dude. It's like a half my way. Yeah, it was 115 degrees outside. You guys want to ride? Like, we're good, man. You know, we can walk. And he goes, Oh yeah, yeah, I appreciate it. He goes, Yeah, we got a bus. If you guys need it, we got plenty of room on the bus. I was like, Oh yeah, you that's our bus right there. If you wanna wanna ride, just meet at this hotel and it's that bus. I look outside, it's the represent clothing line, Hmm. team Nate Diaz bus. Hmm. It's their whole team. I'm like, Yeah, you know, actually, I think we do need a ride. (laughs) (laughs) It is warm out here, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, we rolled out to some far out hotel in like another like suburb. Picked yeah. up some homies. They cracking open Modelo's Med- the whole ride out there. I was like, "This is fucking wild, <laughs> fucking wild." Um,
1: Part of the entourage.
0: Yeah, and then how, that's how we rolled in. I was like, "Jesus Christ, this is slick as shit." That's cool. Um. Yeah. Yeah. That was I I don't remember where I was going. It's not a thankless job. Yeah, this, for sure. This is definitely the uh, some of the venues I've been afforded access to
1: so bumped it back to the thankless job thing but what about working for the ufc like if it comes local you you want to be in there again
0: yeah yeah so i definitely want to work for him you know just to say like hey i was on espn i was on that big stage you know i i I got that
1: ufc 305 or whatever
0: yeah the amazing amount of pressure that comes with that too Mm -hmm. you know like i remember my first time working lfa then my first time working in a title fight you know this, this this girl flew in from brazil And this girl flew in from Brazil. They could have stayed at home and fought this out, (laughs) but for some reason they're here doing it. And I'm the man to see the action. And like, I bet this is their career. This is a pivotal point. Yeah. And both their careers one way or the other. And especially for the winner, right? Luckily, that one ended an armbar, nice and clean. I just did a title fight the last on Friday. Another one. I think I did one more in there somewhere. I have it jotted down somewhere, but yeah, they. Um. And it's just a lot of pressure. I'm ready to feel the next step I like something with like pfl would be nice you know the pfl sounds like it'd be the sweet spot because it sounds like the old school ufc lfa is a great organization to work for because they have like just such a high production value so yes. many employees doing a good job yes that have been doing the job for a long time that crew with lfa oh man they are a family and they are a gang like they they all do their jobs so well so well so like getting consistent work with them PFL would be super nice or just one time one time working with the, for the UFC
1: just to say you did it check it off the box. Yeah, yeah. You, you know damn well you're going to get the dopamine hit, the high from it from the pressure and all of it and mm-hmm. you know you're going to want to do it again. Well,
0: and that's every fight night. Yeah. Every fight night ends the same for me. There's just this. Whew, whatever however the fight ends, I raise the hand of the winner and I walk him out and that's my last fight after work and right as I exit Cage it's just twenty pounds, poof, gone. I can't, I can't fuck up tonight. The rest, I can't fuck up for the rest of the night. Right? Well, I can go have drinks. I can. Fu- I'm going to my hotel room. I can take a fucking long shower, you know, and just go back to the bar, whatever to gamble. I just can't fuck up the rest of the night. Like it's impossible. And that's so relieved. That relief is just such a high, such a fucking high. <laughs> And you have to put yourself in incredibly stressful moments to get that relief, that that high of that relief, right? Fighting fires, jumping out of airplanes, refing cage fights, like it has serious implications on it. It's all the same high, but it's a great high. And as, as frustrated as I get, like with the UFC event not coming to town, getting canceled, get my heart broken, like it left me in a slump for a while, like on that, just that part of my life. And I was like, man, I've been going to all these trainings. I've been meeting people. It's the blue belt thing where they're like, what do I got to do different? Just keep showing up. And Friday night, I told Brian Miner, I said, man, you're a trainer. You're at the top levels. You just got licensed in Nevada as a judge, which is the, that's like, you got your black belt from Hicks and Gracie, right? Like, that's the status. You are licensed in Nevada. That's, you're the top. <clears throat> but there's not a dynamic to get there. It's just one day you may get there. So I'm like, how do I even get to the next level? How do I get to more states? How do I get more work on these, like these events where I see they're regularly hiring the same refs. How do I become one of those refs? And I go, Brian, and if you tell me that blue belt bullshit, just keep showing up. It'll happen. <laughs> I'm walking away and we're never talking again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be so mad at you. <laughs> Show me some respect.
1: Yeah.
0: I'm like, I'm going to the train to get on. He goes, no, no, no. Honestly, it's like, I'm not going to tell you that, but he's like, I'm going to tell you that everyone in this game is wondering how to get to the next step. Unless you are those guys, those few guys, we're all sitting here wondering, what's the, what do I have to do to make that impression? Because these guys, some of these guys who are refing the PFL fights, they do some UFCs that are not in Nevada, right? And they'll get praise for it, and they'll get the, man, great job out there. Nevada will be like, great job, great job personally call them i saw that stuff great job hey thanks man so yeah talk to you later (laughs) (laughs) you know
1: it's almost a gatekeeping thing
0: a network good old boy whatever you want to call it like but there's only so much room to Yeah, i would like to see um i don't know how boxing does it but i would like to see if there's not a ton of refs and then if there was like a ranking category, like these people have consistently not fucked up at these levels, you know, like you work for a couple years at these local shows and only local shows. Now you're doing national database and then you get that national database and you get assigned all televised fights by, you know, seniority roster. I don't ever see it happening, but it'd be nice because, you know, honestly, if you're, if you're coming up in Florida Man, awesome for you. I am not, I'm jealous, but I'm not like toxic jealous. You know, I'm just jealous. I'm like, dude, I wish I was, I wish I would have started out in Florida. Cause over COVID times, when everyone else shut down, everyone went to Florida and started putting on shows. So now you're a newer ref in Florida and you have UFC and PFL credentials already under your belt. And you didn't fuck up. You did a good job. Dude, that's sweet, but I, I need that opportunity, man. You know, like, oh, and we're blessed here. Don't get me wrong, we're doing, between Minnesota, Wisconsin, the Dakotas, you know, you can get 16 shows a year. It's a lot of shows. It is a lot of shows to work. Um, the work has been paying off. You know, I'm starting to see, I got out of my funk and working at an LFA event on Friday and working at the, uh, um, in Ashland on Saturday night, which is the two polar opposites of shows, right? <laughs>
1: We'll just assume that's not a bad thing, whatever that noise is. Oh, it's is. not. It's just the heater where it <laughs> yeah, yeah, on the... Yeah, for sure. It does sound ominous, though. I just didn't know if it was going to be in the recording. No, it's good. You yeah, hear it a little bit. It don't matter.
0: Um, but I worked those two completely opposite ends. If you were in a band, it'd be like playing um, a huge show at whatever mega venue in your area. Uh, not a mega venue, but like a, you know, a 1,500-seater venue. And then the next night, your show is... Three people at a dive bar yeah. in a small town. Right. And if you equally love each night, you know you're in the right game. And I had been a long break over the holidays and everything. It's not a of action. And I just kind of got in this slump like, man, New Year came around, 2023 came around, and I'm just in the same spot. I was in 2022, and I did all that work in 2023, and I'm in the same spot. Fuck. Is it worth it? how much money i've spent, how much time i've spent. i've missed serious things from my family's lives for some of these events and some of these trainings like fuck. then <sighs> i worked those events and i came back and i was like let's fucking go. i don't care. yeah. it's worth it. i mo- more than likely we will get i will be licensed and known in a state where we will get a UFC event. maybe i'll get an overseas phone call. Maybe I'll get hit up from one of these states that I've gone to training in. You know, maybe it'll pay off. But if it doesn't, man, I'm still already having so much fun at these events. Right. And sometimes you have to go to the concert to realize how much you appreciate the music. Yes,
1: yes, yes, yes. Right? It's a good analogy.
0: And yeah, so I'm happy. I also got uh, named, I am the head official for MMA in Minnesota as of like the first of the year. So now I oversee training. um, I oversee hiring. Of officials and by the way <laughs> if anyone's hearing this and they want to be we need we need a ref and i'm not most uh, this is a i, I don't want to sound like like an elitist or anything like that or like a like how some fighter pilots sound like well not everybody could be a fighter pilot <laughs> <laughs> um uh. no you know like it, it is a thing you have to have like you have to have a certain amount of you do the same thing The same way every time. That kind of person, right? Yeah. You give over your rules meeting the same way every time. You call the beginning and ends of fights the same way every time. You call timeouts the same way every time. You do these things so you go through your checklist and you don't miss a beat. You call fouls the same every time. But everything that needs to be, you also need a part that completely changes in a moment's notice where you are reacting to something that you had no idea was going to happen. You had...
1: You're always playing defense. Right. right. Like the defense is always harder because you're responding to what the you have guys to be controlling structured. the ball are doing. You have to right. be
0: structured, but then calm and chaos. Yep. And you have to be very quick to make a decision and then very assertive in that even if you're not confident at all, you have to pretend to everyone else mm-hmm. except for the other mm-hmm. officials who you get to talk to <laughs> that you definitely made the right call. hmm Right? Um, which you really rely on those guys sometimes. You come out of the cage and you go, Man, what do you guys think? And they go, mm, and you're Like, fuck, I know, I know, I know. And then, you know, they'll talk and okay, you know, like, here's, here's it's not the worst, it's not the end of the world. Here's but here's what you do better. And then you take that information, you know. We're not critical on each other. You fucked up, you idiot. You know, say, Because the day you start shitting on people is the day you have your worst day.
1: Yeah.
0: Right? Um and the people just like jujitsu the people who go to the most training the people who spend the most time making themselves into that consistent ref are also the people who are the most forgiving of mistakes the refs who don't go to the training they see other people fucking, up they just talk shit about them and that fucks that's gonna fuck up your reputation and they talk shit about fighters they talk shit about coaches you know and they talk shit about everybody how they're all fucking up and it's really cause they know it's just a matter of time before
1: they really fuck up
0: and they know they're not familiar with the It's like new,
1: a, f- a face-saving thing.
0: Yeah, and they'll know they're not familiar with the new rule sets, and they say the wrong thing because people are like, well, didn't that change, you know?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And you know some people are. Some people are just refuse. For, they think if they admit to being wrong that everyone's going to go, well, this guy has no idea what he's talking about. Let's never listen to him again because he admitted to being wrong one time. <laughs> um. So, yeah, we, we, need, we, we need judges, but we have a, we have a shortage of refs that are available to work these fights. And we need to start reviewing people and bringing them in and letting them go and doing that over and over again until we find the person who's right for the job. So anybody who's listening to this that thinks they might have what it takes, they're cut out for it, especially if you have experience, like, oh, if you have experience working uh, high school-level wrestling matches (laughs) or lower, I think you might have... Already, like, know if you you got the right thing, but plus the violence. Some people cannot stand the violence. You can smell the iron in the mm-hmm. blood. Mm-hmm. You can smell the shit sometimes mm-hmm. when people shit themselves. <laughs> um, you know, you got all those smells. You can see it. You can see faces falling apart. You can see spirits breaking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you could see. You can see people fighters when they're going. What the fuck is this? Is it what. Why did I go through all that suffering for this shit? You can see absolute love in their eyes. Joy. Crazy amounts of joy while they're just re- damp, destroying each other, right? And they're just, oh, good one, bro. Oh, yeah. You got, oh, no, get off me, you know? Just having a good time with it. You see all these things. And you have to take these into considerations into your next things. And the next surprise, you have to be like, all right. I, I have to think about this history real quick and this stuff and where we're at and what do I want to do? How do I want to keep this fair? You know, there's a lot of things. And then you got to do a lot of training. You know, during COVID, I was doing, uh, when they allowed people to train together again and only when they allowed people to train together again and Naturally. never outside of the rules. I, understand. I went. I would go to uh, sparring sessions and I'd ref the sparring sessions just so I didn't come out all ass backwards, you know, when we finally got get into things. And I think that's kind of stuff is what we're looking for. Important. Like you want to be involved in every way and you want to keep evolving to get better. And if you have the talent to go with that, then you'll be very good at the job. But I think it's going to take a lot of filtering to find that. I think judging, you can teach people what to find, what to look for. And they just have to be a really good student because sitting there and not letting your mind wander at all for five minutes Five minutes. Watch a fight and don't think about anything other than that fight with the sound off. All right, Turn the sound off. Turn the mute watch a fight. Five minutes. Don't think about a, your grocery list. Don't think about your mom. Don't think about your training. Don't think about the, at another event or another fight or a fight that just reminds you of. Don't think about shit other than what you're seeing. Good luck.
1: Yeah. Not me.
0: And the judges that I know that are good judges, you know how often they're doing this? Daily. Every day, they watch at least one fight with the sound off and score it. Every day.
1: What's the idea of the sound off?
0: So you're not getting influenced by the commentary, the crowd reaction, just purely, what am I seeing? Effective striking, effective grappling, cage control, aggression, and all the other after factors, after effective striking, effective grappling. Taking notes, sharing it with their friends. Hey. Hey. Watch this fight today. I watched this fight today. What do you think of the outcome of this one? What do you think about round two? Discussing it. I mean, a lot of, a lot of oughtsy people. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's full. It's, it, we're all together on it, but you know, and you'll know your people when you meet them. You'll be like, yeah, this guy is just offbeat in the right ways.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But different pressures than the ref, for sure. Yeah. Just, yeah. just the spotlight alone for the ref. And that's another thing, yeah. too. Like, You're the face of it. You're the waitress. You didn't fuck up the order, but you had to deliver it some of the time. You're the, you fuck the order up, too. You're I the bass player that. in the band. <laughs>
0: Nobody came to see you, but if you fuck up.
1: Oh, man, do they notice.
0: Yeah, and if you do a good job, you still get the credit. It's just the right amount of attention. Yeah, For me, for my taste, it's just the right amount of attention.
1: Which means uh, too much for most
0: people. Yeah. And that's the other thing. Yeah. I've had people that I'm like, man, you'd be a great ref. There's a girl that I highly recommended. She's a jujitsu competitor. She's an inspector. She's always in the game. She's respected. I'm just and she looks she's a good looking gal and she would be good on T V. So I think that promoters who are doing televised fights wouldn't mind putting her on their fights, you know, and that is a thing. You know?
1: And she would do a good It's job. not just for girls either. There's
0: yeah. there's good refs who are Way overweight, like distractingly overweight, yeah, and they won't get a tell' fight because the, the promotion doesn't want the fight the the audience to be distracted right it may it may be fucked up, it may be unfair, but it is what it is it, I'm just saying it happens to both genders okay mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so and all these considerations like you know that'd be a really good ref she just didn't want it she didn't she didn't want to be in, having that much influence in someone's life mm. didn't want that responsibility is from what I heard. This is what I heard, right? And nothing's wrong with it.
1: Yeah, you can't blame her even.
0: No, I. sometimes I don't get it. Yeah. There's no money to be made. I'm not making any money doing this. I'm making friends at best, right? From pretty cool friends. Um, But that's the only thing you're doing it for is just to be part of the game, just to be part of the community. And if you we got to, You got a lot of filtering. People get into it thinking they're that person too and have everything right. And then they do two, three fights and then you just never hear from them again. You know, they got to go sledding with their mother in law that night.
1: (laughs) I think that's actually most people for most things. Yeah. And you know exactly what I'm talking about. It goes beyond like, okay, I got a blue belt or. I, you know, got to some level of stripes on a white belt. Like, I
0: ran a 5 can and yep. I never ran again.
1: The number of people that I know that did one or two powerlifting meets and just never did it again. Which is like, fine, you know, go live your life, do what you want. But like, there's something to the extended version of any pursuit. Mm-hmm. Being a ref, you know, giving it 10 years into jujitsu, giving it 10 years into powerlifting. Like, mm-hmm. literally see what you're capable of doing and what the experience will bring. Not just get a taste.
0: Yeah, and I'm fortunate, you know, because if cage fighting was never a thing... Maybe I'm. We don't have jujitsu everywhere. We probably don't have a fight game that interests me enough to make me this obsessive. Mm-hmm. And we, I don't meet the friends who also like this is our thing. We're not into other shit. You know, like, uh, what's his name? Keith. Um, God. Keith Peterson. Short ref, looks like Bobby Hill. T- yeah, yeah, Looks like prison Bobby Hill. Yeah, definitely
1: prison Bobby Hill.
0: <laughs> he, he's a
1: musician. All <laughs>
0: uh-huh. right. He's in a band and stuff like that. Yeah, he's a musician. But this is his shit. This is his shit. You know, I'm into shoes. I'm into pro wrestling, but this is my shit right here. Right. It always comes back to that. And so it's kind of crazy that before 95, we didn't have this option. What were we doing? What were guys like us doing?
1: But it it ties into that thing of at some point, horse racing was one of the most popular sports in the country. Horse racing and boxing.
0: Yeah, and so like, but you kind of get into boxing, but not this much, right?
1: And boxing's not deep enough.
0: And what I'm saying is, so I feel, I feel for the people who try powerlifting, run a 5k, go on a hot air balloon ride, (laughs) drive a motorcycle for a season, go camping twice,
1: catch some thrills with stuff.
0: They're they're looking. They're searching. What's Mm -hmm. that thing that I go, oh, that's the thing I can't stop Mm -hmm. thinking about? And because it doesn't exist yet, they never find it. And that Mm.
1: sucks. I see what you're saying.
0: There's nothing got to be worse than being an energized person who hasn't found a passion. Make sense?
1: That's probably where depression comes from.
0: So you push all this energy into what? (laughs) Right. Oh, I'm...
1: You're trapped in yeah. your own head
0: I'm senior tech advisor Of infant development toys at Target <laughs> Or Costco Or whatever that company is C O S C O or whatever right Like cool man Are you really fucking into making baby toys No <laughs> but I'm really into working
1: Yeah I've got a title and prestige And yep. a pay grade I, that's respectable
0: Yeah if I would have worked for Samsung I'd be Top TV maker or something You know like whatever you do you. But that's what your passion went into Is just work Yeah You know I got a feel for people like that. Not, um, not
1: having a non-obligatory labor of love mm-hmm. type thing to have. I also
0: feel, feel for people who have never felt immense pressure and broke through it. Succeeded under impossible conditions. There's a sense of confidence that will continue to radiate well into you're an old crippled man somewhere and you just know... On D-Day, you just kept running forward. You're just that fucking guy. You know who you are.
1: You can handle your shit.
0: I wasn't on D-Day. I'm not saying I was <clears throat> Storm of the Beaches in Normandy. But, you know, I've seen a lot of movies. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I watch a lot of fights. <laughs>
0: um, but, yeah, jujitsu people get a taste of this. That's why I think, that's why I think belts and stripes are important. Because we have a lot of 30-year-old dudes who listen to their moms Listened to their family, went to the school that everyone prescribed, got married at the age everyone prescribed, got the job people prescribed, they played it safe and made the safe steps, and everything's kind of been just there, right? And no highs, no lows. Then they go to jujitsu, and there's some fucking lows. Man, I got a guy sweating, his belly sweats all over my face for three minutes. This sucks. Um, I'm not tough. I'm not in shape. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of things I found out about myself that I'm not really keen on.
1: You're breaking the delusions that you had about yourself.
0: Sticking around after that, mm-hmm. showing up the next day. Now you were you could be a lifer, but you could just be. Hey, I'll get my blue belt. I got to figure out how to, how to solve these problems. And once I solve this first barrier of problems, then I'll I'll dip and try something else, right? But the real pressure doesn't come on till black belt. I'm not a black belt yet, but I'm going to say the real pressure. I'm enjoying being a brown belt. I'm enjoying being a long stage brown belt, right? Because I can have shitty days and whatever. I drank for the whole week, ate Burger King every night, went out to an open mat on Sunday after not training for 10 days in a row and just, oh, okay, well, I'm a old hungover brown belt. Fuck it. <laughs> right. But you're a black belt. Yeah. Like John Grill says, you're earning that shit every day. Yeah, And some blue belt, who has a little bit of understanding of the game, but has not stopped working out like a fucking animal, is going to try his three guard passes against you over and over and over again. And if you can't keep up that day, you better hope that blue belt understands that you're human. It's not all magic all the time, right? Because yeah. you don't want to be the guy who tells the blue belt that Santa, Santa isn't real. <laughs>
1: he might give up.
0: You know, and so, yeah, that's the other thing. That might be a reason why somebody was going, you know what? Good enough. I'm good enough. I don't need to get any tougher, right? But, again, you don't meet those. And that's
1: technically true if they were to say that. Yeah. If you got three, four-stripe blue belt or let's just say a purple belt, you know enough for presumably any real-life application. Yep. You're probably experienced enough to... Better handle yourself if you were the situation. And to honestly,
0: come up. it depends where you started too, because you may yeah. have gotten you may have gotten with the pressure I'm talking about at Black Belt. You yeah. may have said something equivalent way early on. You have huge social anxiety issues. You can't even be around people without freaking the fuck out. And now you're in a room of fifty people who are all trying to focus together, learn, and it's a bit competitive. And there's a lot of shit to consider. And you're just in there chilling, going through class. That's a huge. Huge thing, you just and now you see who you really are, you see what you're more capable of. And if this is possible, what else is out there? Right? And then you get it, and then that's good. And that's that pressure I'm talking about that people don't get to go through unless they go through jujitsu and usually stick it out for a long time. They don't get to feel that immense crushing I want to quit, I suck, what the fuck is wrong with me? How come I've been doing this for 10 years and that guy doing it for three years is better than me? um why am i spending all this time going to refing classes when i'm not why why did i join the army when i could have gone to college and there's hot chicks in college and it's all gross dudes here and (laughs) what the fuck is wrong with me why am i a fireman making such shitty wages and it's such risky conditions everyone i know dies of cancer and gets divorced why the fuck am i doing this and then oh yeah because it's just it's just fun to be challenged and these are where you find your immense pressures and you're holy shit is this am I gonna die today? And then you don't and you're like, hell yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> and honestly like jujitsu and MMA replicate those things. You know, they give yeah. you it is a more controlled environment, but in your deepest moments when you're really you're the social anxiety guy and you're having a hard time walking through the door and and every day you just get through it and you're in there fighting somebody and you're like, man, I just got through it because I love this rush. And I love knowing I'm a better person. I love breaking through that boundary. It's just something addicting to it. Then you find out who you really are. You're a person who loves challenge. And you love overcoming adversity. And now that's your new addiction. That's your new shit. That's your that's your new friend group. Other people like you. And the people who aren't like you, they're gonna quit. Right? Um I just think that that's it's such an important part of continual human development that we don't see all over the place. And I, and I think more people need to express it. And having a girl who's so intense has really opened my eyes to like what women don't get. They don't get Navy SEAL school. They don't get Jay Robinson wrestling camps. camps yeah. They don't get a place where they come home and they go, 70% of the people who entered gave up. And I didn't. Who the fuck am I? Oh, my God. I'm, I'm a different breed of animal, right? And like we know, if you have 100 people that feel that they are that person, and zero of them, and you don't test them, all 100 people are going to continue to believe that they are that person. You know, if the if I ever got in this situation, I'd blah blah see red, pull out my gun, fucking barrel roll over the truck, you know. Like, I'll, I can't wait to drop a bad guy someday. Mm-hmm. Um They'll continue to think that. Yeah. But then once the pressure's on, there's a few people who get to walk out of there going, Yeah, I am that person. I am that motherfucker. You know?
1: And that's Pojada after dark, everyone. I'm Matt. <laughs> i'm john grills (laughs) (laughs) we'll see you on the mats probably thanks everyone for tuning into another episode of the pohada podcast and hey if you're a regular listener head on over to the pohada podcast on instagram where amongst the ridiculous memes you'll find a link to the merch shop and be able to keep up with the disorganized going-ons of the show.